Thank you for being here tonight. Let me get this clipped in. I'm sorry, it came off. Okay, we ready to go, Oscar, on that one? Okay, thank you for being here tonight. We had a wonderful uh, time this morning in the service, and I appreciate that, and we are excited as the building is getting close to completion. We had a newer family come to our Sunday school class this morning, and I took their children to church, and I took to their Sunday school classes and uh, for them, and both of the Sunday school classes were outside. And we've been doing that now for way, way, way too long. And I was thinking as I was walking back, man, it's going to be nice to take the children to a classroom, okay? And, well, one person said amen. Maybe you guys like to be outside. But uh, I'm really excited about that getting done. The gym floor, as I mentioned, uh, they, painted, they painted the lines and the logo and all of that. And they'll be finishing that up. So that part of the building will be done. And then hopefully that elevator comes in and we will be, we will be, um, uh, ready to get our final inspection for the rest of the building. And I'm really, really excited about that. It's going to be very, very helpful to us. And so thank you for being here tonight. Our theme this year is More Church. And of course, here you are on Sunday night, and I appreciate that. You're going to want to leave your Bibles open to, to Matthew 26. We're going to not just look at the portion of Scripture we read. Uh, we're going to kind of go through the chapter as we see some of our points. Um, how, many of you, how many of you ever heard the statement, Ignorant, ignorance is bliss. Now, if that is true, there's a lot of happy people in this world, right? And, uh, you know, a lot of people, they're ignorant in areas simply because they don't want to hear about it. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to know what's going on. It's just like, hey, just, you know, uh, the less I know, the better. We're not really good, particularly when it comes to our own faults or weaknesses, we're not really good at wanting to hear about it. We have a hard time fessing up, okay? How many of you understand that? Remember years ago, we had a, we had a, um, we had a new couple over to our house, uh, and this is when all of our kids were still uh, in our house, and, and the boys were young, and so they had a boy that was the same age of, of, of my younger sons, Jack and Josiah, and, um, and so we were in the we were in the living room talking with them, and the, and the kids were playing over in the family room, which is just one half a wall over if you've ever been to our old house. And um, their son came over running, yelling. He came to the parents, and he said, hey, and he pointed to one of the boys. Now, I won't tell you which one. And they said, hey, he hit me. So I thought, I'm going to answer. So I looked at him. I said, Josiah. Okay, now you know which one. I said, Josiah, did you hit him? He was probably about six or seven. He looked at me and he said, well, he hit me back. I'm thinking, of course he hit you back. You hit him first. We don't like to fess up. We're not like kids, except we hide it a little bit better. But if we're ever going to grow in our lives, if we're ever going to grow as a Christian, we have to be willing to look at our lives honestly. We have to be willing to, to, to look at our shortcomings and face them or else we're never going to be strengthened. That means we need to be willing to take responsibility in those areas. In this chapter here, Jesus is coming to the end of his time on this earth and he's about to be uh, crucified. It's a matter of, it's not a matter of weeks, it's a matter of hours before he is going to be crucified. So he gets with his guys, the 12 that have been with him now for three years, and he takes them into the upper room, and he's going to have the, the Last Supper with them. As they are sitting there, 
three years with Christ, Jesus gives them a very disturbing truth. This is during a time when, really, it's a calm right before the storm is coming. It's a culmination of all that he did. Look at verse 21. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Can you imagine how that statement came out? These, this, doesn't, this just wasn't a crowd of people that showed up for a meal, that showed up for a day. I mean, these guys had been with Christ for three years. And more than that, these guys had been together for three years. And so could you imagine the shock as they hear that? Like, wait a minute, one of us is going to betray him? Well, they knew each other so well that they struggled with that a little bit. In this chapter, and I like it because the Bible is full of it, uh, we see the humanity of the people in the Bible, which is good because we too face that. If we're not careful, we think of the people in the Bible as being, you know, super people and, Christ and super believers and all that, but they were human just like we were. And we see that here with that. And so these guys were Jesus guys. These were the ones that forsook everything, forsook their businesses, forsook what they were doing for the cause of following Christ for three years as he prepared them for what was coming. They were not Judases. The 11 were good men. They were with him for three years, and his ascension is coming. He's going to leave. But even though they were his guys, these guys who Acts would tell us would turn the world upside down, the ones who would die for them, they basically all became martyrs. When informed by Christ that one of the 12 would betray him, they asked that question there, right? Lord, is that me? Now think about that. I don't know about you, Brother Chim. If it was me, I probably would have looked around like, hmm, who is it? Because I know it's not me, right? Look around like, it's probably that guy right there. He's a, he's a little suspect. It's probably that guy right there. I've seen some things I don't like about him. They didn't think that way. They had, by, by the way, everything was there. They had trouble believing it was Judas. In fact, Judas had them so deceived that even after Jesus said, it's the one who dips with me, and Judas dips, and then he leaves, they still didn't catch that it was him. That's how much uh, respect he had amongst the, tw amongst the 11. They had trouble. None of them, the 11, planned on betraying him. None of them planned on that. They were all committed, yet they asked that question when they heard it. Is it I? I think they understood their humanity, right? I think they understood, as we should understand about ourselves, that if we're not careful, our life can take a detour, and we could end up doing some things, or, or uh, best case scenario, which is not best case scenario, walking away from God when we never thought that we would have. That's inside of all of us, by the way. We have to be very, very careful. I heard a statement one time when I was in college. They said, you know, anybody could get involved doing anything if they put themselves in the wrong situation. And I believe that is true. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you probably know of somebody who was dedicated Christian. They were dedicated in their love for Jesus Christ. 
And yet, for whatever reason, they, they've stepped away. It could even be a spiritual leader. I've known many. I don't think any of them planned on that. But if we are not careful, this happens. By the way, you say, Pastor, that troubles me. That troubles me too. But it's not unique to the Bible, right? All of us can get involved. David, David not only committed adultery, he made sure that the husband would be killed in battle. Uh, I think of uh, Demas. Demas, who was following Paul as a missionary, he forsook him. I think of Gehazi who followed Elisha and served him and for uh, a couple changes of clothes and some, and some silver lied and went after the money. You know Saul, we look at him and say, wow, what a bad king he was. Do you know Saul was not like that when he first became king? That happened later. Solomon, we all love Solomon, right? I mean, this richest man that ever lived, the wisest man that ever lived, he wrote the book of Proverbs. But you do realize he also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. As he looked back on his life after he deviated, of course, I got to say this, any guy deviate if you have 700 wives, I mean, come on now, that, that, I, I mean, I'm good with one. We're good. But, but he got into having everything he wanted. And towards the end of his life, he deviated the wrong direction. Samson was the strongest man who ever lived physically. You know, uh, you look in the book of Judges, all the judges had armies and they raised an army and they fought a battle. Samson said, I'm good, I got this, I'll take care of it myself. And yet he was taken down by women. Think of smaller scales, right? Abraham lied about his wife. And what happened? His son lied about his wife. And then you have Jacob. Jacob's one of those guys, if you read through the Bible, it's like, you know, sometimes he's dedicated and other times he's not so dedicated. It's kind of like, come on, Jacob, make a decision. That's because we're human. And we all need to be very, very, very careful. If it happened to Bible characters, do you not think that it could happen to us if we are not careful? So here's the thought I had as I read this. I looked at this. You know, they asked that question, Jesus, is it I? My thing is, did they really want to know the answer? If the answer would have been in the negative, did they really want to? Now, Jesus told them. But let's think about you and I tonight. What if you and I could have an audience with Jesus Christ? Now, we can when we pray. And, and Lord, am I really going to let you down in my life? Am I going to do this thing? Am I going to do something horrific? Would you really want to know the answer? If it was going to be in the negative? Did they really want to know? And do we really want to know? You see, when they asked that question, they were not asking for, from the point of, in their mind, they kind of had some seeds that they were going to betray Christ because they weren't. They, they, so they were asking from, hey, I want to do the right thing, but they were still willing to ask. I believe they were asking from the standpoint of like, Lord, is something going to happen in my life going forward to where I would actually change to the point where I would betray you? Now, what is it for us? Because we're here to apply it to us, right? I don't believe that, you know, we're here at church tonight because we plan on, on, on changing our, our walk with God and our belief in God and, and our, our service of Jesus Christ. Now, now, maybe you're here and that's you, and I would say this, you need, you, you need to take that seriously before you make that step. But that's not the message. The message is for those of us, we're here at church and, and we have some type of relationship with God and we're trying to do the right thing. 
Would you be willing to evaluate your life and see if there's anything creeping in that might eventually cause you or cause me spiritual issues as we go forward? Would we be willing to ask that question, is it I, if we were really going to get the answers, specific answers that point to a specific area of life that would cause us to betray Christ? I mentioned this before, but years ago we had a guy here and he came up to me and he goes, um, he asked me, and he asked me a question. Pastor, do you think I have a problem with this? And I knew him real well. And I'm like, you asked me, right? And I'm like, I think you do have a little bit of a problem like that with it. And then he looked at me like, really? I'm like, well, why did you ask me? I mean, don't ask me if you don't want the answer, okay? And uh, it wasn't anything big. It was something we could all work on. But do we really want the answer? I believe as we looked at this chapter, we can see a few key areas that we need to make sure that we would be willing to evaluate our lives because these guys struggled with some of these things and asked, Lord, Lord, is that going to be a problem in my life? And by the way, as we look at these, I want you to say, see that these things are all inward qualities, right? Sometimes we get in this, this, this thought that, you know, I'm doing all of the outward thing things right, so everything's good, right? I mean, I come to church, and, and I do this, and I might serve in the nursery, I might do ministry, I might sing in the choir. By the way, the choir's been fabulous, thank you for that. And I, I might, you know, do whatever. I'm in the orchestra, they're fabulous as well, and uh, the special. I do all this stuff, so I'm okay, pastor. And by the way, I'm glad you're doing all those things. But you know where our problems start? Here. We can do the outward spiritual things, and we start decaying on the inside, right? Let me go ahead. I think at our other house, I think we used to have a, 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 a prune tree. Uh, uh, what was it plum? Not prunes. Plum tree. I think a guy came one time and said, listen, I know it's still standing up, and it still looks good, but it's dead on the inside. You need to get rid of it, okay? Long before we cut that thing down, it started dying on the inside. That's what happens to us. And so let's be very careful. I want us to look at these things. There's just a couple, but they're very key. Here are some specific questions we should be asking ourselves in these areas I'm going to mention. It. First of all, do you think higher of yourself than you should? Okay, well, that's real quiet because that's all of us here. Okay, we all struggle. Look at Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. What happens is, after Jesus informs them that one of them is going to betray him, uh, Judas gets found out, but then they take the Lord's Supper together. Then, then verse 31, then Jesus said unto him, he dropped another nugget of truth here. All sh this is different than the one who's betraying. All shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after that I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. You know, he says, look, guys, here's what's going to happen. You're going to betray, you're, going to, you're not going to betray, you guys are going to forsake me in a little bit. Don't worry, once I'm risen from the dead, I'll meet you in Galilee. Now, you think these guys who just were concerned as to whether or not they would, they would betray Christ would be a little more concerned when Jesus said, well, you all are going to forsake me for a while. How do they answer? Look at verse 33. And Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall... Now, Peter steps forward. God bless him. Though all men should be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Okay? It's like, not me. 
You know what he said? Come on now. We don't, we don't want to say it out loud, but let's just say it. He said, you know what he said? Jesus, you're wrong. And you read the other script. It's like, maybe these other guys are going to do that, not me. I will never do it. Wait a minute. Aren't you the same one that just asked if whether or not you would betray him? And now when it comes to something that's on a little lower level, forsaking him for a little bit, you step up in pride? And by the way, not only that, he spoke before the others. And Jesus said unto him, reality check, verily I say unto thee. By the way, all of them ended up saying that. We won't do it. And then Peter even said, even though these guys do, not me. Jesus answered and said, verily I say unto thee, this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter, <laughs> Jesus said, listen, Peter, not only that, you're not only going to forsake me, but you know what? Before this morning, you are going to deny me. You think Peter would snap out of it? Nope, he doubles down. Verse 35, then Peter answered unto him, though I should die with thee. By the way, he would, give him credit, yet will I not de deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. That's pride. That's pride. How in the world could somebody that just long, a few minutes ago said, is it I, now says, I'll never do that. You understand how fast pride creeps into our life? And by the way, all of us struggle with this. All of us think we have everything figured out. But can I just tell you this? Pride is a spiritual killer. It is. Look, you know, you're a new Christian and maybe you were growing and now you get to the point where like, I've, I've read my Bible, I know the stories, I know a lot of the truths, I've been going to church for all these years, I'm good. That's a bad, that's a bad place to be. And we're not talking about guys that just were there for a meeting. These guys were with the Lord Jesus Christ for three years. Pride. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, let for, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Look, I don't plan on walking away from God, but I, I tread lightly. I don't want to think that, look, at, I, I've, I, I've, been, I've heard messages from passages you probably never even heard of. I, I've, I've read my Bible through because I've been saved a long time. Not I'm something spiritual or whatever. I've just been saved longer than a lot of you here. And I've been going to church, and I've done all this, and I've done this stuff for God. And I, you, you can't just get up, well, I've done all this for God. I'll never fall, really. Because the time you don't think that you could is the time that you may be heading that direction. It's a, it's a danger. When we fall into the area of pride, here's the problem. We quit being watchful. We quit being vigilant. See, before that, it's like, you know what? I want to make sure I'm putting myself in a good position so that I stay right with my Lord and that I spend the time with him and I do the things he wants me to do and I stay right with him. And, and, and we're vigilant when we do that. But once we're like, you know what? I'm good. I'll never do that. You better be careful. Now you're not watching anymore. And by the way, you do know Satan. We do have a spiritual enemy, Satan, and he's watching that. By the way, can I just tell you something about Satan? He knows a lot about pride. That's why he was kicked out of heaven. That's why he's Satan, because he was proud. We fall into pride and we start trusting in ourselves. I don't trust in myself at all. 
at all. None of us are perfect. We all need to be very careful. I've used this before. I haven't used it in a while, but J. Vernon McGee said one time, he, he said, listen, if you, he was to a crowd he was preaching to, he said, if you knew me like I knew me, you wouldn't come listen to me. And then they all looked at him. He said, now, just before you get proud, if I knew you the way you knew you, I wouldn't bother. You know, that's his way of saying, listen, we're all human. We all have to be on alert. Let's make sure that we don't allow Satan a foothold. You know what the cause of all of a strife in this world and strife in our individual relationships is? It's, it's pride. Let's verse in Proverbs 10, verse 13. Only by pride cometh contention. That's fighting, right? The times in my life where I've had a, with somebody, you know why? It's because they're proud. <laughs> it's because I'm pr- proudful. I'm right, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. You're, you're, you fight on that. We must fight pride as we serve the Lord together. And you know what happens sometimes? Good things start to happen in our life and then we start to take credit for it. Or maybe, you know, God starts using us in some spiritual way, we want to take credit for it. None of us can take credit for anything. Anything good that happens in your life, anything good that happens in this church is because of the Lord. Right? I love the thing, Pastor. I don't know when Pastor came up with it. We've been saying it for years. The favor of God on our church. That's what we want. We don't want to be like, well, why? why? I think we have a, uh, I mentioned this morning, I think we have a great church because I'm biased. I've been here forever. But, but if we do have a great church, in God's eyes, it's not because of us, it's because of him. It's because of, for whatever, for whatever reason, he chooses to use us in some little, small way in this world. And I just think to myself, I don't want to do anything to mess that up. I just want God to do something. It's not because of me. It's not because of our staff. It's not because of you. It's because of the Lord. Now, I understand you put the effort in. And I understand God uses you. But it is God using you. You're not using yourself. Let's give him the credit. John Newton, the great Christian of the past, the one who wrote Amazing Grace. If he gave a one-sentence summary of your life, it's a statement he said. I am a great sinner. He is a great savior. And that's what it is. Paul, the greatest, to me, Bible character, if you had to, you know, if you had to lump him in there, I might be wrong. Of course, Jesus said it was John the Baptist. But uh, in the New Testament, of the New Testament people, Paul, I just caught myself being wrong there. That never happens. Wow. Um, Don't talk to my wife, though, about that. Um, Paul, greatest New Testament missionary, may we say, scripture writer. You know what he said about himself? Basically, he said, I'm the chief of, of sinners. He did not have an overstated view of himself. Neither should me. When I was in Bible college, I kept hearing about this missionary in the Philippines, Rick Martin. How many ever heard of him? Rick Martin, at back then, and it's still to this day, his, his church, going over there as a missionary, probably, I don't know the numbers, maybe, they, they've probably been responsible for starting hundreds and hundreds of churches throughout the Philippines, am I right? And I kept hearing about him when I was in Bible college, and I thought, this guy is like a spiritual giant. He's a great man. And by the way, he is. And I remember I was there, and they said, hey, we're going to have Rick Martin in for chapel. 
And, and, and uh, we're going to have them in for our church ed class. And so I was there, and we had them in church ed, and they were asking questions. And I'll never forget, somebody asked them, said, you know, Brother Martin, what is, you're, you're such a great missionary and have done so much for God. What is your secret? And, and this is very sincere. If you've ever met him, you know this is the truth. He had this look on his face like, no, I'm not. Because I'm just trying to do something for God, and he does a great thing. And you could, you know, you can tell when someone has false humility. You say, how? Well, go, to, go try to buy a, a car off somebody. But it was sincere. Here was a guy that knew, and if you looked at him, you wouldn't say, here comes, here comes you know, the, the, the greatest preacher in the world. He's just a guy that allows God to use him. Let's not get proud. Pride will lead us to betray Christ. We got to hurry. I won't spend as much time on the next couple. Here's another question. Are you more secure in yourself than you should be? Think about that. Look at verse number 36. Then cometh Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. This is it before he's going to be arrested. And this is a very emotional time in the life of Christ. He's going to sit there and sweat as it were blood. And he took his guys with him and said, hey, I want you to sit here, I want you to pray. By the way, the guys that said they would die for him, the guys that said they would never betray him, he asked one small thing of them. Can you, can you just watch here and pray? Verse 37, he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be very sorrowful and heavy. Jesus knew what was coming. That's why he came to this earth. Verse 38, then saith he unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry you here and watch with me. Now what would we think if, here's our Lord, and by the way, he's dropped hint after hint. He straight out told them what was going to happen, what was coming. And now he says, I'm sorrowful. There's his guys. He gets his three. He brings them there. Peter's in the group, the one who spoke the loudest. He says, wouldn't you think they want to do whatever he asked? Verse 39, and he went a little further. And fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. By the way, Jesus wasn't trying to bail out. He just said, if it is possible, which it wasn't, for our sins to be paid for. Verse 40. And he cometh unto his disciples and findeth them asleep. And saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Now, how many guys were there? There was three. Why did he say Peter? Peter was always the first one to step up. I'm not me. These guys, mm, not me. So Jesus said, Peter, why couldn't you watch? Here's the key. Verse 41, he says, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. They wanted to do the right thing, but what's the next few words? Flesh is weak. Guys who said they would die for him couldn't even stay awake and pray for him. Why? I think they wanted to. I think they had the right heart. I think they had the right spirit. I think they wanted to do the right thing, but they didn't understand the principle. Being willing is not enough. You know, I want to live for God. Okay, that's good to say at church, but what are you going to say when you're at work tomorrow? What are you going to say when things of life and it becomes push comes to shove? Willingness is great, but you have to understand something. We have an enemy we carry with us every single day. That's our flesh. 
That is why spiritual pride is so silly. Because we live in this weak flesh and there's no way we can ever do anything on our own. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have a responsibility to, to, do, to be committed and do the things we're supposed to do, but the fact of the matter is the only way we can follow through on that as we seek to follow through on it is through the power of God. We can't trust ourselves. Our flesh is weak. We cannot live the life in our own power. If you want to turn over, I'm going to start reading, but we'll read a couple portions here. Romans chapter 7. We're we'll look at 8 too. Romans chapter 7 and verse 21. Paul knew this struggle. He said, I find a law that, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Okay, we want to do the right thing, right? But there's always that opportunity to do the wrong thing. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He's talking about his flesh. I'm trying to do the right thing, and there's a law, and then my heart, I want to do the right thing, but I have this enemy that I live, and it's flesh. And I fight, I fight it, and I have to fight it if I'm going to do the right thing. Now, I do like verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Our, our body is just fighting it. Who's going to win? Whoever we give in to. We have to fight the flesh. You're going to want to do the right thing, but the wrong thing is just going to jump up into your mind. It's going to be the thing that comes out first, and you have to fight it and defeat it by spending time with God and trusting in him. But if we don't realize we have an enemy, it can be a problem. A willing spirit's not enough. Look at Romans chapter 8. If you were in Romans 7, verse 5. He goes, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. By the way, let me say this. Whatever you're allowing into your life is feeding one or the other. And if you're feeding the flesh, guess who's going to have the power? The flesh. You don't feed it. You got to be careful. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I remember when I was in Bible college, I, I was working security. During the summer, uh, we would sometimes work two jobs. I was working somewhere else, and then we would put in shifts also um, at a security place, making a little bit extra money. So I was at that second job, the security job, making some money, and we were all kind of working in an area together. And one of the teachers from the college, actually, towards the end of the summer, wanted to make a little extra money, so he worked with us for a couple weeks. And I remember as we were doing security, by the way, security is boring. We were working at the McCormick Center. It's a, it's a convention center. The doors were locked. No one could get in, but hey, they wanted security. And so we're sitting there, and he was trying to memorize this verse. And he kept walking back and forth. I don't have it memorized. I kind of know it here. Like, oh, yeah. He's walking back and forth. He goes, for to be carnally minded is death. And he goes, I don't want that. And he walked over. He goes, and to be spiritually minded is life and peace. He goes, yeah, that's what I want. What do you want? We have to fight the flesh. It's rearing its ugly head in our life. Because, verse 7, the carnal mind is enmity. It's an enemy against God. For it is not subject unto the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh, this is an oucher, cannot please God. We've got to fight it. How do we do that? Ephesians tells us. 
Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 to 20. You can write that down and look at it later. He says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his grace, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That's where we need it. The battle's inward. And if we're not allowing the spirit of God to strengthen us inwardly, the flesh will just kind of take over. Verse 20 of the same chapter of Ephesians, he says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Sometimes the Bible is just like, you're just loading it up. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all, that's redundant. That's his way of saying, hey, you can get a a lot of it here. Uh, Above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. We are either going to rely on God's spirit, and if we do, we will cultivate the fruit of the spirit, things that are not natural to the flesh. If not, we're going to default to the works of the flesh. Okay? If we, you say, Pastor, I'm not, I would never willingly try to give into the flesh. I know. But when we're not letting the spirit of God work in our life, do you know where we naturally default to? We naturally default to the flesh. That's why we've got to fight it with the spirit. Number three, and I'm hurrying. Do you have a selective memory more than you should? Look at verse number, back in Matthew chapter 26, verse 48. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign saying, whosoever I shall kiss, the same as he, hold him fast. That's what Judas told the guys, they're coming to arrest Christ. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, hail master, and kissed him. That's the sign of betrayal. And Jesus said unto him, friend, wherefore art thou come? Then, they, then, then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, now I got to be honest with you, I, I kind of like this. I shouldn't, but I do. And behold, one of them were with, that were with Jesus stretched out his hand, it's Peter, and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Now I know Jesus is going to rebuke that, but I, I'm, I don't know. I'm not in the spirit right now. I kind of like that. Like, you know, I think he was trying to cut his head off and the guy ducked and like, oh, at least I got his ear, you know, a little piece of it. You'll remember me. By the way, Jesus healed the guy. Then saith Jesus unto him, put, a, put again thy sword into its place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? How then shall the scriptures be fulfilled and thus it must be? Jesus said, listen, I don't need you to grab the sword and cut someone's ear off. If I wanted, if I wanted to deal with this, I could, I could just ask God and the angels would come and clean this thing up. He tried to tell them over and over, this is why I came into the world, to die for the sins, and yet Peter is still struggling with that. Because that's not how he wanted it to go down. That's not what he wanted to happen. See, Peter had his own plan. By the way, a lot of the people that followed Jesus, they had their own plan. Many of them did not follow him for spiritual reasons. They just were hoping that he would be the king of Israel, which meant the Romans would be put down. They were thinking more from a nationalist. But they wanted what they wanted. And Peter, this did not fit into Peter's idea of how things should work out. Now, let's apply that. What about us? See, are we willing to really know what the Bible says because the will of God, what God wants and what God wants for us is in his word. And so many of us, if we're not careful, we want what we want. And we really don't want to know what the Bible says. 
Oh, we're okay with the, the, it's not fluff, none of it's fluff, but you know what I'm talking, we're okay with the stuff, encouragement and all that, you know, Jesus, I'm walking in the sand, he picks me up, there's only one set of, 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 of good, that's fine, have a good time with that. But what about the hard stuff there is? You know, the stuff where Jesus says, you got to do this, or you cannot be my disciple. That's an outer. What about it? We want what we want. His will is found in his word. The quickest road, if we're going to betray Christ, is, is we don't get into his word enough, and we don't seek to really follow what he's saying with everything in our hearts. I love the phrase in Psalm chapter 19. David used it several times. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Right? Not just half-hearted. God, I'm, I, and that's the great psalm about, that, about the, the Bible and the principles and the commands of God. And David said, whole heart. I'm all in. I want to be here. I want, this, this is what I want. What about us today? The reason that many of us don't seek his will in the scripture, I think there's, there, you could give a lot of reasons, but I'm going to boil it down to two. Sometimes it's just spiritual laziness. We just don't, we allow ourselves to get so busy or we allow other things to come into our life where we don't get into the scriptures ourselves. But I think sometimes it's because we willingly don't want to know what God is saying. We're more content with being around God than being with God. And that's not going to work. Next, are you being more fearful than you should be? Look at verse number 55 in, in, in Matthew chapter 26. In that same hour said Jesus unto the multitude, uh, the same hour said Jesus unto the multitude, the guys that came to arrest him. Are you come out against a thief with swords and staves to take me? These guys were, these guys were, um, uh, they, they were suited up. They had their weapons. He goes, I sat daily with you teaching the temple and you would not, and ye laid no hold on me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled, then all his disciples forsook him and fled. All of a sudden, they had a dose of fear. The ones who were courageous, right? It's funny how they went from, is it I, because they didn't want to betray him, to I will never, because I'm committed to him, to forsaken and fleeing. Why? Fear took over. And by the way, fear is just, it's just a human thing. We're fearful. We don't live in a society as others where going to church, you can go to jail. And China's tearing down the churches they can find. We don't live in that society. We don't have a lot to fear. And yet Satan has a really good way of, of, um, of matching the fear to where you're at. You know what I'm saying? Just because we don't have the high-end persecution, he makes it easier for us to be fearful on the lower end. Many people are fearful. And when we're fearful, we're usually going to forsake because we don't want to be found out. That's why the Bible tells us over, and I know, I think uh, I mentioned in class this morning, uh, I've heard people say that, you know, fear not, it's 366 times in the Bible for, for um, one for leap year. But the concept of not fearing is in the Bible a lot more than that. Why would God constantly tell us that? because he knows that we have a tendency to be fearful, okay? Maybe not on a, on a far end, but yet we do. We fear sometimes the way that uh, our peers react to us. By the way, if you work somewhere, I'll ask you this. If you work somewhere and the people where you work don't know you're a Christian, why not? You know, are we afraid for them to know because they might pick at us? 
I mean, I work at the church. So they all know I'm a Christian. They think I am. Um, but whatever, wherever I worked, well, I would always kind of just get it out right away. Hey, I'm, some way that I'm a believer. You know why? I wanted to be on check. I also wanted to know whose side I was on. But we're afraid. And by the way, we're afraid of what people say to us. They don't always know best. It's funny, you grow up and you have friends and you're afraid to, to be a Christian around them. And then 10 years down the line, they're not even a part of your life. And yet you allowed them to direct your life in the wrong direction. We fear to stand out in the crowd. By the way, that's what our society is doing on the far end of liberalism and nonsense. And you say, well, that's not, it's politics. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about morality. Well, our government is, is pushing stuff that the Bible is talking about morality. Someone needs to say something. But they want to shut you up. You say this is wrong. Well, you hate people? I don't hate people, but it's wrong. Okay, that's just, just, just laid out there. We just want to sit back in the weeds. And I'm not saying let's go on some political activism. I'm talking about in our life, let's stand up for what's right. Okay? You know, your boss, oh, here you go. You want one and then we'll move on. Your boss at work asks you to lie for him. Hmm. Got a nerve there. Would you do it? I remember as a new Christian, I was working for my dad. He was not a Christian, and he didn't know. And he's like, there was a phone call, and he was like, this thing kills me when it's crooked. And, and he's like, hey, if that's, answer the phone. If that's so-and-so, tell him I'm not here. And I'm like, I, I can't. I'm not going to lie. He's like, oh, come on. I'm like, I can't lie, Dad. He's like, oh, just let it ring. I'm like, okay, I can do that. Your boss asks you to lie? To be dishonest? You know, another fear we fear, like if we live for God, we'll miss out. Well, if I really do everything the Bible says, I'll miss out on life. No, 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 no. You'll experience life to its fullest. That's why Jesus called it the abundant life. And we can go on and on and on. Lastly, and this one could probably be the, the most dangerous, and, but it is one you can catch. Are you ready? Are you drifting away more than you should? Look at verse 57. And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the Lord. Now, I'll give Peter credit here. Peter did follow, but he kind of backtracked a little bit. He didn't want to be right up in the front, and I'm not picking on him too much. And maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into this, and I'm not trying to, but I want us to get a point. But because he was not up close, eventually people did notice him, right? Hey, wait a minute. You're one of those guys. No, I'm not. But you were with him. And he's like, okay, they didn't believe me the first time when I said that I'm not. Let me throw in some cuss words to, to help make it better. And then it's finally like, I know not the man. Wow, where'd that come from? distance. He was just a little bit farther away from it. I mean, he, he, at first he was willing to follow from a distance. Now he's like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be caught up in this web. And he denied the Lord. By the way, just like Jesus said, I have found that most of the time when people, worst case scenario, someone gets totally away from the Lord and doesn't want to have anything to do from anymore or just kind of gets away, there's a distance. I've also found that sometimes in my heart over these many years, if I feel like I'm a little colder in my heart, I can usually find an area that there's a little distance I need to fix. 
say, man, you know, pastor, sometimes our, our, we're not always going to be on top side. That's part of life. And sometimes that coldness starts to creep into our heart. And it's like, hey, where am I starting to have a little bit of distance in my relationship with him? By the way, that could happen in any relationship, right? I mean, you get married and life is good and you're newlyweds. Pinedas, and everything's great and all that, and then you start having kids, not that kids are bad, they actually make the things better, but, but you start living life, and you've been married for 20 years, and, and you know, maybe you're not doing date night or whatever you're doing, and you figure like, man, there's, it's just, the relationship just isn't, it's not bad, it's not horrible, but it's not where it, it needs to be, because you need to get closer. You need to get closer. Not that you're bad or anything, but that happens sometimes in our spiritual life. We start missing our Bible time, and it doesn't bother us, okay? And, and, and I know, I get it. Life hits you upside the head. You're busy. You know, you get up late some I know. But, boy, you start missing it. There's that distance. You start missing church services when you know you should be there. You need the encouragement. You need to be with God's people. You need to be more church. And you, you, you know what it is? You miss one, and you don't really have a good reason, and then you miss another. Well, I'll watch the live stream, and then you quit watching the live stream. Why? Because your football team's going to lose. But whatever. So be careful with that. Maybe, maybe we've taken steps of growth, and we're actually serving. We're in the choir or whatever, then we start to miss. I mean, we used to be really excited about it. And you can just go on and on. It's every area. It could be, it could be soul winning. It could be your giving. It could be just we loosen up in the way we live. It could be we start to allow influences in our life that we know aren't, aren't right. So what's the end of it? Stay close. When you start feeling that, that, that coldness, it's almost like in a spiritual sense when, when Jesus' uh, parents went to the temple there and they took Jesus when he was a teenager and then they left and they forgot him. And then they're looking around like, hey, where's Jesus? And they looked around in the company, and he wasn't with the crowd that came from their hometown. And they're like, where is he? You know where he was? He was right where they left him. And I've always thought about that. Like, you know where Jesus is when we start to have distance? He's right where he's always been. He's never moved. I have. So let's stay close to him. Let's make sure that we're not getting away. Here's the whole point. Let's be very careful because all of us could start to lose our relationship with God and we need to be honest with ourselves to look at areas of our life and say, hey, is that area struggling today? Am I struggling in this area? Have I allowed some things in that are starting to, to drive a wedge between me and my Lord? Well, I don't really want to be a solid, committed, faithful Christian. Then there's really not much I can do for you. But I don't think that's the case here tonight. I think we, we want to be close to God. We wouldn't be here. But let's be very careful because good people, if we're not careful, that starts to creep in and the distance starts to grow. And next thing you know, you know, if we were to ask them, hey, am I ever going to, is there ever going to be a time in my life where I'm not going to church, I'm not reading my Bible, I'm not serving you, I don't even think about you. I just live my life day by day without any spiritual input. Lord, is that ever going to happen? We won't ask him that because what if they were coming? I said, you know what? Yeah, you're on that road. Well, there's specific areas we need to shore up. And by the way, here's what's good about having the Spirit of God indwelling in us. He lets us know. He does. It's like, hey, you're struggling in that area. That's not condemnation. That's conviction. Why? So we get it right. And we go forward. That's our goal. Are you struggling with pride? Do you put too much too much uh, 
hope in your flesh? Uh, do you want what you want? You're not knowledgeable of his word? Then maybe we need to close that gap. Let's stand together this evening. Thank you for listening. I went a couple minutes later than I anticipated. But these were, these were good guys. These were the cream of the crop. These were the guys that, by the way, thankfully, 50 days later, what we preached about this morning when we looked in Acts chapter 2, that was 50 days after this. Those guys were turning Jerusalem upside down, and then they turned the world upside down. You know why? Because they got it. They got it. Let's bow our head and close our eyes just for a minute. Is there any area of your life, maybe it's something that I've not mentioned, but maybe you know. Sometimes we struggle with sin, don't we? We let some, we call it a habit, and it gets into our life, and then it starts to, it starts to dominate us, it starts to get in our relationship with God, and we just have to deal with it. Maybe we haven't. Whatever the area is, do we really want to know, and do we really want to fix it? Why don't we fix it today if God spoke to you? I'm not saying you're a horrible sinner. We all have cold hearts sometimes. Piano's going to play. If God spoke to you at all, why don't you come? It's what the altar's for, to come talk to the Lord, to come do business with Him so we can stay on the right path.